Welcome to Socially Distant, Spiritually Close, a podcast dedicated to exploring the biggest spiritual questions of this complex and challenging moment. I'm your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. We'll now take an opportunity to uh, learn a little bit of Torah together, to, to think about the Torah portion this week which, of course, uh, again, is Parsha Bamibar, the, the first portion of the Book of Numbers. Uh, and as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, uh, it begins with a census. Uh, and that's where I want to start uh, our conversation or thinking about this portion this morning. Uh, we are blessed, I'm blessed, to uh, welcome a, a very special guest to, to help us make sense of the Torah portion and its uh, meaning for our lives, uh, our uh, fellow Temple Beth L. Congregant uh, and Superintendent of Richmond Public Schools. Jason Camrus is uh, joining us. Jason, are you there? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Nice to see you. Oh, look at that background. Wow. Well, you know, I, I do about 50 Zoom calls a day, so I figured I, I might as well invest. <laughs> right, you're a Zoom pro. Um, so first, before we, before we start, tell, tell me, uh, how, how are you? How's your family? Uh, we're good. We're good. Um, the the boys and Miwa are are on uh, on the call as well, so so they're participating. But um, yes, we're very very blessed um, to uh, be doing well. We're healthy, and and everyone is is managing quite well. So thank you. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you, and and uh, good to see them. I saw I saw Ezra a little while ago on the call, and uh, yeah. hi Ezra Gachavis and Makiva Gachavis and Miwa Gachavis. Um, so, okay. So we're, so the Torah portion this week opens with, with the census. And, and I know that your background, um, is as a math teacher and, uh, and as I understand it, you have some pretty good math jokes. So why don't we, uh, why don't we open with, you know, one or two zingers? Oh my gosh. I could, I could go on for a good 30 minutes with my math jokes. How much time do you have? All right, here we go. Um, <clears throat> what did the seed S E E D say when he grew up i don't know gee i'm a tree <laughs> these are Yikes. these are groaners i even have Yikes. my boys gave me the sound machine so they tell me to play this <laughs> uh let's see what else i got um uh what do you call a guy sitting on the beach i don't know tangent <laughs> all right I'll, I'll give you just i'll give you two more um why was the student late to school he got on the rom bus <laughs> and here's one for all the star wars lovers out there why does yoda not like triangles because there are no triangles there are just do or do not angles Oof. Yes, I know. Thank you. Those are groaners. I know. I know. <laughs> um, that's like somewhere in the the intersection of like dad joke and teacher joke. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's my Good. specialty. <laughs> uh, all right. So, listen. You were you were uh, a math teacher. You obviously have some math humor. Our tour portion opens with um, a math problem, right? How many how many uh, Israelites are there? Uh, like, tell me what you think 
uh, you know, and this is not just the first time that the Torah is like counting and listing out the Israelites, right? There are several instances of this, both in the Torah and beyond the Torah and biblical literature. Like, what's the, what's with the obsession with counting? Well, um, you know, I, I wanted to prepare for this conversation to make it as interesting as possible. So when I was a kid I, at day school, I really enjoyed the gematria lessons. And so I thought I would explore this a little bit in preparation for our conversation. And the more arcane and absurd the gematria, the better. So here we go. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the portion says that there were 603,550 Israelites at the time, which, by the way, historical scholars quibble with, but we're going to set that aside for now. All right. If you pesky do, scholars. I know, it's terrible. If you do the prime factorization of 603,550, you have 2 times 5 times 5 times 12,071. All right, you with me? Yeah. Now, if you multiply the non-zero digits of 12,071, you have one times two times seven times one, which is 14. And 14 can be represented by the Hebrew word yad. Yud is 10, dalit is four. And I was thinking about the word yad it has three meanings that I think are really resonant for um, where we are today. So one, God took us out of Egypt with a Yad Chazakah, a strong hand. And so remembering the power of God in these times of, of great difficulty, um, I think is, is incredibly powerful and um, the sense of deliverance, that's one. Two, Yad is also the Hebrew word we use for memorials. And uh, this is Memorial Day. Uh, or Memorial Day weekend, as it were. And so thinking about um, those uh, we have lost who came before us to help us uh, uh, live the lives that we are living. But third and most importantly, as we know, a yad is what we use to uh, read the Torah, to uh, point out where we are. And that's the one that resonated the most with me because um, for me, I think this idea of census, of counting, um, is about inclusivity and about making sure that everyone, um, no matter what your background, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your skin color looks like, no matter what you believe is counted. And when we do that, just like the Yad with the Torah, that is how we find our way. Uh, that is how we know where to go as a community. And so this idea of counting, um, I think, is a way of, of um, us all finding our way together, making sure that everybody is part of the community. How about that? Uh, first of all, like I have, I have like no idea. Like I couldn't process in my head the math uh, equations that you were doing. I just, I just like went with you. But that, that's a, that's an incredible. Uh, like where you landed with it was was incredible. That's good. The other, you know, if you flip around the letters of Yod, you get uh, the Hebrew word die, like enough. Right. Yes. And uh, and that's also, I think, um, you know, worth worth thinking about, you know, in this. I, I my one of my um, mentors uh, in rabbinical school um, and, and still today, uh, Rabbi Brad Artin, um, you know, talks about like the obsession of with counting that uh, the Jewish communities have. And and he said that um, 
that whenever, you know, when, whenever I like would feel that, you know, coming over me, I would just like count and see, do we have 10 people here? And uh, as long as we had a minion, um, I would stop counting, right? That was enough, right? And whatever there was above that, like, that's great. But if we had a minion, like that was a, that was enough. So there's like also the sense of like, um, that, that, you know, we, we sort of, we try to, we want to quantify everything and we, you know, feel like we're, 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 you know, unless it's golf, we're doing better if there's more of it. Right. Um, but, uh, but the, but the question is not always about like breadth. It's also about depth, right. The, the, the meaning of the experience for the people who, who happen to be there, uh, as well. So, um, so that, that also came to mind as you were talking about Yad, is that you have the, the reverse of it too, you know, die and you get Dayenu also, right. That there's yeah. the gratitude in the experience. Yeah, that was a great assist I handed you there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, I, I, but I, but it does beg the question. Okay, I was thinking about this. How many students are there in Richmond Public Schools? About twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. So, how do you? How do you? Uh, I guess I have like two questions for you. Okay, so like one is, you know, in a in a twenty-five thousand school system, which is a pretty big, pretty pretty uh, large number of students. How do you go about ensuring that like each and every student, you know, has a face and has a name and is not just like a number on a spreadsheet or on a class roster? Yeah, that's a, such a great question. Um, you know, we have a motto at RPS. Uh, it is uh, teach with love, lead with love and serve with love. And it's this idea that um, our responsibility is to uh, bring love to our students every single day. And that takes all kinds of forms. Of course, it means providing a great education, but it also means uh, getting to know kids as individuals uh, beyond their ID number or their name, but who their families are and what their dreams are and their hopes and their fears and the challenges that they have in their lives. And so we do place a, a significant emphasis on those relationships. Um, I have found over my career um, as a teacher, and I think parents would, would attest to this as well, um, that sort of uh, age-old uh, uh, aphorism is true. Um, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that is really a, sort of a critical thing that we approach our teaching with. And, um, go out of our way to try to make those relationships. So for example, one of the things that we are um, expanding throughout the system and, and may even be able to do this virtually next year is to start each day with a community circle, which is basically an opportunity for uh, kids in, uh, in essence, a homeroom type setting to physically come together in a circle to talk about where they are uh, that morning, that day, um, emotionally, spiritually, uh, uh, you know, physically. Um, and we found that when we do that, kids and teachers, quite frankly, feel a lot more connected to each other um, and feel less like sort of just anonymous members of a herd and, and um, really um, known individuals. And, and that's what we're striving for. That's that, that's so beautiful, and 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 seems like such a powerful, um, a, a powerful tool to um, to be able to um, bring, both bring people together and also um, for for each 
student to um, to to make a contribution and to be you know present and uh, and, and known. Um, I, I'm wondering that that motto that RPS has. Can you can you uh, like reflect on on how that has informed um, your and your your uh, school's uh, responses uh, in this moment? And like, how is it? How is it like? provided guidance and also how has it been like challenging to uphold that motto in, in this time? Yeah. Um, so I think like the, the simplest way to think about the motto is um, my sort of mental shorthand is uh, making sure that every student, every child in RPS um, I'm thinking about as if they were Ezra and Akiva, my own children. What, what is the love that I would um, want to, um, exhibit for them and how would that manifest itself? And, and so how do we do that for all kids? And so as you think about that and as your parental responsibilities, first and foremost, you wanna make sure that your children are, uh, their most basic needs are met. And so, you know, I think a lot of people realize for the first time during the pandemic that public school systems do so much more than just teach. Uh, we are uh, the source of physical nourishment for many, many children. And so um, we have set up a food distribution network uh, where we provide about 13,000 meals a day to RPS children and families at 55 locations all across the city. So 10 schools, and then we use our buses to drive food to neighborhood locations all across the city. Uh, by June 1st, we will have uh, distributed three quarters of a million meals. So about 750,000 meals uh, since we closed. So that's sort of the most basic needs. We also, by the way, through that food distribution, uh, we give out um, uh, toiletries, diapers for families that need it, formula for families that need it. So all sorts of things sort of on that basic needs. Second, we want to make sure our kids can continue to be nourished uh, intellectually, academically. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that every single RPS student has a computer and has internet access. And so over the last several weeks, uh, we have worked to uh, purchase additional devices. We've reallocated money in our budget. We also got about a million dollars uh, in donations from uh, the Community Foundation, the Robbins Foundation and other organizations to help us with this. Uh, and so we have thus far given out 12,000 Chromebooks and about 5,000 uh, Wi-Fi hotspots so that every child who needs a device or needs internet access is getting it. Uh, we're even uh, next week going down to our pre-K students. So we've done high school, middle school, elementary school, and next we'll do pre-K. Um, and then obviously we wanna make sure not they just don't have the devices, but that they can continue to learn. And so We've created an online um, learning platform. We call it RPS at Home. And it has uh, pre-packaged video lessons that our teachers have created. So you just find your grade and subject and you click on it for the day and voila, you have a lesson for the day. Um, my own boys uh, use it and um, I'm delighted to share that we have folks in the counties using it. And we've even had folks from as far away as Chicago using it. So. Um, we're really happy to to be able to provide that. But like the the one thing that weighs on me the most <clears throat> during the closure that we are still working to address is the social emotional piece. Um, it's just harder to uh, address that virtually. 
And um, though we are having our counselors reach out and our social workers reach out, we do know that for some of our young people, home isn't always the safest place. And so um, an extended closure like this, um, we know can, can carry all kinds of challenges. And so we are working really hard so that when we do reopen, we have additional social workers and counselors and um, other therapeutic supports to help our kids um, not only be ready to do more reading and math and all those other things, but to be socially and emotionally ready to, to come back. And so that's one of the things that we're, we're continuing to think a, a lot about as, as we try to live that motto of, of teaching and leading and, and serving with love. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, so what you're describing there, you know, in, in, in a way is, um, you know, thinking about, you know, each student, uh, you know, in their totality, right? Each student is a whole person. And then beyond that, the, the community is greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so there, so it, it's, you know, it's, it, uh, and I, and I've noticed this, you know, like my, my daughter doesn't go to NRPS school, but, um, but she's doing, you know, the online learning and, uh, that, that RTA has provided for her. Um, but noticing that, you know, that there's, you know, in the focus on, uh, on, you know, uh, on sharing content virtually, um, you know, that, that definitely, uh, scratches a particular itch and meets a, a certain you know a portion of the need but the but each student's needs are are so much more than like just what you know uh, uh what uh spelling tests that they're having or or math equations that they need to work on right there's there's more to each student than that which is what i love about the Torah portion by the way that like that in this conversation about you know counting all the israelites it also um uh gives each person a name Right. And then and also talks about their role within the community. Right. That they're that they're not just like, you know, they're not just a, a part of the population, but like um, but but each person and each family and each tribe has like a, a unique role to contribute to the functioning of the community. And if any of that breaks down, like the whole, you know, it's like sand in the gears, right? The whole system uh, ends up breaking down around it. Yeah, um, I. I... Uh, I'm a visual learner, so I really liked the the visual of the how they would camp, <coughs> camp each night. So uh, you'll know this better than I, but right. So they had the Mishkan in the middle, and then it was the three sub Levi groups. Uh, I think North, West, and South, and then Moses mm -hmm. and Aaron were East, and then the tribes i guess uh four groupings of three correct north south east west anyway um yes uh this this notion of um um the many working together on behalf of the community and each member having a role um and um i think about that a lot in in, in our schools because there's no single role that um, does it all. We, we each have this important piece to play um, in supporting kids. And, you know, I would argue that the third grade teacher is, um, uh, you know, just as important as the counselor and the social worker and the custodian, um, all who have this just integral role to play to support our kids.
Yeah, and, and what's also powerful to me about that image of how the Israelites camped around the tabernacle is that, you know, you know what's at the center of the tabernacle is Torah, right? So on a, on a certain level, it means that, um, that, that uh, education is at the center of communal life. Um, and there's a recognition there about the, about the power and importance of, uh, of, of education and holding the community together. Um, and, that, and that's what you're describing, right? That, uh, that you know, uh, RPS um, is, is such a, you know, forgive the, you know, loaded expression, but like such an essential service, right? That like, that, that if, that, that if uh, you know, RPS were to break down in its delivery of services and in its um, commitment to um, educating and caring for each student, um, then the community would, would break apart. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I think that's exactly right. Um, I uh, participated on one of our food distribution bus routes uh, a week or so ago and, and, and met a mom who, you know, has four kids. Um, her husband had diabetes, lost both of his legs. So he has obviously mobility issues. Um, her monthly expenses are, are $1,200 uh, between rent and, and, and think other things, uh, you know, she's had to cut back to the point where, um, you know, even taking showers was using a lot of water and, and increasing the water bill. So they've had to go to sort of basically infrequent baths to save money. Um, and what she was just sharing is that, you know, the food distribution that we've been providing the, you know, the computer and the other resources, the diapers, everything, um, has really enabled her family to kind of keep it all together during this time. So I, I don't say that to, to garner any kudos, but rather that, as you noted, RPS really is this essential part of the fabric of, of Richmond and is, uh, it's always been that, but I think people are, are seeing more publicly how it really does support and lift up families and, and bind communities together. So uh, I have uh, one other question before I give people an opportunity if they, actually two other questions before I give people an opportunity to, um, to, to uh, make a comment or to ask a question if they have it, if you're willing. Um, but uh, the first is, you know, the meaning of the Torah portion, Bamibar in the wilderness, right? And, uh, and a lot of us parents um, feel very much in the wilderness right now. We've had to become uh, teachers and principals, janitors, um, uh, uh, you know, home nurses, whatever, uh, during the, during the pandemic, during the summer, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to be camp counselors and, uh, and, and camp heads. So I'm wondering, um, you know, as a, as an educator, as a, a, a school, um, a system official, um, what, what guidance do you have for, for parents who are, who are navigating that wilderness? Yes. Well, first, before I answer, let me just give a huge shout out to uh, Miwa, uh, my extraordinary wife, uh, who herself is a, a former kindergarten, second grade teacher. Um, and she has been uh, the chief teacher in our uh, household, amongst many other things over the last couple of months. So I did want to give her a shout out. Um, but my, my advice to families, a couple of things, one um, concrete and then one um, less so. Um, create a schedule. Uh, just try to be uh, very clear in advance about what you're going to try to do each day. I don't know about you guys, but 
when we had those, uh, you know, pre-COVID, when we had those weekends where we didn't really plan it out and you just kind of stumble your way through it, um, pretty much everyone winds up unhappy. Uh, but when you can set a schedule and say, this is what we're going to accomplish, and you have that routine, kids really do crave routine, even though they won't vocalize that to you. So um, saying, this is when we're going to get up, this is when we're going to do this activity and this activity and so on, um, I think is, is critical too. <clears throat> give yourself some grace. Uh, this is hard. Um, if they have a little bit of extra screen time uh, as compared to normal, so be it. They'll be fine. Um, and so don't, uh, don't tear your, your hair out um, trying to make sure that uh, you know, they've completed every last thing and done every last activity um, and filling up every single moment. Um, it's okay uh, to have them have lots of uh, individual uh, and group play time. Um, it's okay uh, to watch a movie. Uh, it's okay to to do some of those things. So um, just uh, just have grace for yourself. And uh, you know, in, in in the movie department, I'll just remind everybody that this weekend is the 40th anniversary of the release of The Empire Strikes Back. So that's a good wow. suggestion if you want it. Um, but uh, talking about the wilderness, okay. One one last question, okay. The the, the wilderness. Uh, is I think in some ways bearable if you know that you're you know working your way toward the promised land. So um, I told people people kept asking me. I told them you're probably not going to break news on uh, on this call, but I'm just when are we opening? I got to ask. Yeah, is there a promised land? Are, are we going to reopen in the fall? Uh, we will reopen at some point. <laughs> Look. Um, uh, I am eagerly awaiting uh, the governor's guidance as well. Um, the, the slightest bit of news I'll break is we do expect some uh, public guidance on this next week. So um, folks should, should uh, keep a, a lookout for that. Look, we are preparing for both a virtual opening and a physical opening. Um, my hope, of course, is to open physically um, but I would prefer not to do that with social distancing in place. I don't know about you, but keeping eight-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds or 15-year-olds apart seems like a recipe for disaster and a lot of frustration. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we'll see. Thanks. Uh, do you have a minute for uh, if anybody has a question or a comment? Sure. They yeah, absolutely. Glad to. Conversation. So sure. uh, this, is, this is your chance, everybody, uh, to... Uh, Feel free to uh, unmute yourself, and if you have a comment or a question, I invite you to do so. Uh, Jason, I want to ask you, we see that Denmark and some other countries have been uh, letting the elementary school kids go back. What, what's the evidence that you've seen so far that that's uh, been okay? I haven't seen evidence that it's okay. In fact, what I have found to be somewhat disturbing is some of the latest reports about some of the syndromes that the coronavirus might cause for children. Um, it's a very small percentage, but I was reading about uh, some data from New York, um, which had some very concerning effects for kids. So um, that's one. Num number two, you know, a lot of uh, teachers um, are in high-risk groups themselves. And so even if the kids don't get sick, they are definitely um, passing the virus on. And so 
that could have a, a really serious consequence for teachers and their families as well. So um, I have not seen evidence that it is a good idea to come back. I will tell you, I was just looking at a video from China where they have gone back and they have kids, um, literally as, as the kids walk up, the soles of their shoes get sprayed with disinfectant. Um, then uh, they um, have a mist of disinfectant that they spray the front and the back of the child with. Uh, then they have a robot that takes the child's temperature. Um, all of that before you can even enter the schoolhouse. I will tell you, I have not heard anywhere in America that is that prepared uh, for school children to come back. I just want to put in a plug for uh, for temperature robots. I, I, I <laughs> want to see it somewhere. Yes, uh, I'll get on that. Can I ask yeah, please, a Rita. question? So just in terms of the Torah portion, not in this week's, but Rabbi, I remember when you did a sermon about part of the time wandering the wilderness, maybe it was Amalek's attack, but how attacked from behind mm -hmm. those who had fallen the furthest behind, sure. the most vulnerable. I'm a worrier anyway. And one of the many worries I have right now is for the most vulnerable kids, the economically disadvantaged families, I worry about whether they're ever gonna catch up um, by you know, this amount of time off in all the different ways you described, not just academically. Number one, how worried should I be? <laughs> and number two, in a time when we don't feel much control, what can any of us do to help? I appreciate you you raising that. Um, it's a really important point. I, I think not just in education in, in so many different sectors of society, but all of the inequities and injustices that existed before the virus have just gotten 10 times worse with the virus. And so you're absolutely right. Um, students from low-income homes, uh, you know, students of color who face all of the prejudices of society, um, students with disabilities, immigrant students, of which we have a growing population, um, all frankly have the deck stacked against them. Um, and that deck just got a lot more stacked against them. And so um, it's one of the reasons why we're working so hard to try to level the playing field as much as we can through the food and the technology, but I'd be the first to concede that's nowhere near enough. So one of the things we're thinking about is how, once we do come back, how do we um, provide additional supports? Uh, we're thinking about going to a year-round school schedule uh, to make sure that we're able to provide uh, more time and more attention, particularly to kids who have fallen further behind. Um, but the social and emotional pieces, again, um, is something that is, is not, frankly, as easy to address as a math uh, uh, issue. And so uh, it's why we're trying to invest in more counselors and social workers and whatnot so that we can try to help kids, uh, you know, deal with all of the challenges that they're facing. But I won't sugarcoat it. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of investment. Frankly, I think we need a Marshall Plan for K-12 education after uh, 
uh, this virus. Um, the, the federal stimulus that the uh, uh, Congress has put in place um, is gonna help a little bit, but really it's a drop in the bucket. Uh, and so as far as how you can help, on a very granular level, um, we're always uh, seeking volunteers. So if you'd like to help with the food distribution or the computer distribution or anything else, uh, you can sign up on our website. You just go to rvaschools.net. I'll put it in the chat box. Um, you can donate uh, money if you'd like to the RPS Education Foundation. It will all go uh, to these efforts. Um, and then uh, advocate. Advocate with your uh, state representatives and your federal representatives for additional investment in K-12 education. Um, the more investment uh, is going to be absolutely essential over the coming months and years. Hi, Jason. This is Jamie Weinstein. I have a, I have a two-part question, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, Jamie, wondering... Jamie, you'll be, Jamie, you'll, you'll be the last uh, questioner. Right on. Good timing. So um, I, was, I was wondering, so are we looking to, to extend the June 6th deadline? for the uh, modules and for Agenuity because we still don't have equity for, your, for our ELL students. The website, rpstech.org, is still not translated into Spanish. The students still cannot get on Agenuity. And when they do, the modules are in English. And my second part of the question would be, are we considering opening schools uh, for students with IEPs first? I've seen countries like Israel do that, where the students that had bigger teams, um, those children went back first. And I was wondering, uh, so, so kind of two big questions. Yeah, I think everything is on the table for school reopening. Uh, we're looking at a lot of different scenarios. Um, again, eagerly anticipating um, guidance from the Virginia Department of Education, which we think will likely come out next week. <clears throat> on the first question, uh, yes, there is a possibility that we'll extend that, that June 6th timeline uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, even if uh, kids did not complete Edgenuity modules by June 6th, um, frankly, they still have the entire summer uh, to do so and still be uh, counted as graduated or getting credit, but we are looking at extending that date for, uh, for the spring semester, as it were, right now anyway. Cool. Thank you. Yep. Um, well, uh, Jason, you, you've uh, you've given us so much to think about, and we're really appreciative of uh, of uh, your um, of all of your efforts and uh, and and for your presence here to, uh, to to educate us and to learn with us, um, and also to provide us with some tangible opportunities um, to, um, uh, to to act uh, uh, to support um, all of our children, all of our families uh, in our community, and to uh, um, and, and to, uh, and to uh, go beyond that um, to try to affect some more systemic change. Um, I, I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to, uh, to end uh, on, a, uh, on a light note if you, if you want. You can, of course, uh, give any you know, final remarks that you want, um, but uh, I'd love for you to, uh, to close us out with, uh, with at least with, with, one more, uh, with one more math joke, if you have <laughs> One more, well, this one is in honor of, of my uh, two sons. What do you call two brothers who love math? What? Algebras. <laughs> there you have it, friends. Woo. All right. All right. 
Uh, well, thanks for being uh, such a good algebra to, uh, to all of us. Uh, and uh, we're really, appreciate, really appreciative of, uh, of, of your presence and, and being able to learn with you this morning. So Jason Camrus, thank you so much uh, for all you do and for, uh, for all you've taught us this morning. Yeshikoach. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, Rabbi. Um, it's, um, I think folks, it's at times like this when folks uh, come to realize how important spiritual leaders are um we unfortunately take you for granted many other times uh in our lives but i just want you to know that uh, we are a stronger and healthier and more just community because of you and the cantor and so we're just uh couldn't be more grateful to have your leadership in richmond um you're that's very kind of you thank you for saying that and uh and and uh i can um uh, echo the same sentiments uh, for you um, and, and all that you're doing and um, and for our entire community. This is, um, uh, it may not surprise uh, people on the call that there are places with which I uh, have disagreements with uh, with, with the president. Uh, one thing that I agree with him on is that, uh, is that the synagogue is essential. Um, and I think we're seeing how essential the synagogue is in, in, in all of our lives and within our community, um, just as uh, our, our schools are essential. Um, synagogue is essential too. I don't think that that means uh, that, uh, that that we ought to uh, uh, reopen before it's uh, safe to do so, our physical building, um, but I think that uh, we can continue providing those essential services and being an essential part of each other's lives. Um, so anyway, so thank you very much for saying that. It's very kind of you, and thank you for being here this morning. This has been Socially Distant, Spiritually Close with Rabbi Michael Knopf. I hope that this episode has helped you find a little faith and hope enrichment and uplift during this complex and challenging time. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. Please also rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that others will have an easier time finding us and joining in the conversation. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is recorded during virtual gatherings of my congregation, Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is produced by Dr. Gillian Frank. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Our cover art was designed by Judith Russian using a photograph by Miriam Aniel. I have been your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.